All right, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, as we make our way back to the seats, uh, I just want to give an extra special thank you uh, and celebrate the people that have paved the roads, have paved this uh, driveway and parking lot here at church, and the people that made coffee at church to keep us warm. Uh, So let's just give a round of applause for all those people. They make coming out in this weather a little bit more bearable. Um, So if you open a Bible, any Bible, and you flip past the table of contents, past the preface, um, you're going to come to chapter 1, Genesis. Um, And I think we all know this. And as you look at the first line of the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning. In the beginning. This sets the tone for the first recorded work that we have from God. But it also sets the tone for our story, right? Because as God is writing this and he is uh, deciding to create the world, he decides to write us into it. And so as we read God's story, we're actually learning more about our story. Uh, But I believe it also sets the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Uh, So here's what I want to do. I want us to paraphrase the creation story together. I'm going to need your help. Are you guys able to help this morning? You need another cup of coffee? Um, So I I need your help. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to read a line, and I want you guys to help me finish the line. So if you're somebody that knows your Bible well, shout it out. Like, feel free. Don't hold back. That's not what we do here. Shout it out. Give some confidence to the room. Um, And we're going to paraphrase a few lines of this story uh, that I think help us set up today's message. So it's going to be on the screen, and it's going to get easier as we go, Uh, but here's where we're going to start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God created the light, and he saw that it was good. All right, you guys are great. Um, Then God created the land and the sea, and God saw that it was good. Then God created seed-bearing plants, trees, and fruit, and God saw that it was good. I told you it was going to get easier. (laughs) All right, then God made the sun, the moon, and the stars, and God saw that it was Then God created the creatures in the sea and the air, and God saw that it was Then God created all the animals that scurry along the ground and saw that it was This is the last one. Then God created human beings in his image, and he looked around at everything he created, and he saw that it was very good, very good. Uh, I love this. The story, like I said, it tells us of God's first recorded work, but it also tells us his first recorded emotion. Everything he made, he said, that's good. That's good. His first recorded emotion was gladness right? If you look at the word good, it comes from a Hebrew word, tav, and what this means is pure delight or unspeakable joy, Uh, just like the Chris Tomlin song that we sing throughout Christmas, unspeakable joy, right? And so what this tells us, I believe, is a breath of fresh air that God delights in what he does. Everything he does, he delights in it, and he wants nothing less for us, right? Because we're created in his image, And what he does is say, that's good. After everything he makes, after everything he does, he appreciates it. He delights in it. And he wants nothing less for us. So uh, this brings us to what we're going to talk about today. 
we're continuing a series called How to Hear God's Voice. And before we go any further uh, with today's topic, I just want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, check out the podcast from Pastor Jason. Um, it is phenomenal. It is the part one of this series, uh, and it lays the foundation of everything else we're going to talk about. Because the number one way, the primary way that we believe we hear from God's voice is through the Bible. It's through Scripture, right? It's the most consistent, the most healthy way that we hear God speak. What that does not mean is if you read your Bible every day, God's not going to speak to you any other way. Because as we read this story, we see God speaking in so many different ways to so many different people. Um, But what it does mean is that if you don't read your Bible, if you aren't familiar with the Word of God and the Scriptures, then it's going to be really hard for you to understand His voice, to know His voice, to understand what is from God and what is not from God. And so as we read this book, we actually learn His voice. And so every other way we're going to talk about is secondary. This is the primary way, which means everything we're going to talk about needs to be filtered through the Word. It needs to line up with the word. And so today, we're going to talk about a second way that God speaks to us. It's through desires. Desires. Everybody say desires. I think this word is kind of taboo in church uh, because we almost feel like desires and God, desires and church, they don't really go together, right? They are kind of at odds. Uh, But that's not true. The God that we see in the creation story is all about desires, right? He is desiring things and creating them out of desire. And once he creates them, he delights in them. And so, uh, so the question for today that I want you to think about as we talk is what makes you happy? What do you hope in? What do you look forward to? What's delightful? What's enjoyable? Because I believe that God speaks to us through those feelings, through those things, those nudgings, those things that come natural and and we just desire them. They're enjoyable to us. They're good, right? Several years ago, um, I was at a a point in life, a place that a lot of people would hope to be in, but I had several situations, opportunities in front of me, um, and they were all good opportunities. And you would think that would be a great thing, but my dilemma and my hesitation was I didn't know which one to take. Um, And I I ask a question that so many of you guys ask, what's God's will? I want to make the right choice, right? I don't want to take a step and then realize that's not where God wanted me to go. I want to make the choice that is in God's will for my life. And so so I sought some advice, and I asked a friend that I trusted, and as we were kind of unpacking and talking through all this stuff, and I was just rambling, he stopped me, and he said, John, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I don't know why I was so caught off guard and hit hard with this question, um, but I was. And when I really thought about it, I never verbalized this or told anyone this, but, but I don't think I really thought God cared what I wanted. You know, like I was following him at this point. I was, I was trying to do what he wanted me to do, but I thought that also meant laying all of my desires down and, and not pursuing or paying any attention to those, but that's not true. And so my friend reminded me that God loves his children, right? He wants us to live a life to the fullest. He wants us to live a life that's enjoyable. And if we're not, we're actually living outside of God's will for our life because 
He doesn't want us to be depressed. He doesn't want us to be lonely. He doesn't want us to be in these situations where we feel like we are just getting by. God wants the best for us. And so he encouraged me, no matter where you go, like all of these things are good things, right? No matter where you go, God's gonna use you there. If you wanna be used by God, he'll use you wherever you are. And so he encouraged me in this. Psalm 37, uh, verse four says, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I love this verse. Um, I think we can misread it, but I love it because it paints the picture of this God that I believe we met in that creation story, right? He's creating, he's innovating, he's taking it all in and, and his story is good. He's writing a good one. And yeah, we're gonna experience difficult seasons in life. We're gonna experience things we don't want to and we should have never had to experience. But in Revelation, just to give you the bookends of the Bible here, it says he's gonna take away pain, sadness, death, sorrow, all of these things. And, and he wants to dwell with us, God among us, right? And he wants this uh, to be open to anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. He says, anyone who puts their faith in me is gonna inherit all that I have for you. So we can rest assured, no matter what we're facing, the story from beginning to end is a good story. His plan from beginning to end is a good one. But here is where I think we misread it. And I think we, we read this psalm and, and we kind of mess it up a little bit because we make it about us. Um, all of our desires are not good desires, right? Can we just be real and, and own that this morning? All of our desires are not good desires. And so it's not saying God's gonna give you every desire of your heart. That is not what this verse is saying. So I think it's important that we read it the way it's meant to be read. Uh, and, and to do that, I wanna break down two of the words in this psalm. The first one is delight, delight. So if you look this up in the dictionary, it says to be greatly pleased. To delight is to be greatly pleased, to be enchanted, captivated, entranced, thrilled, joyful, glad. Those are the synonyms of delight. So, so what question that I have is, do you feel that way about God, right? Do you feel that way about God? Are you captivated by him? Is your joy found in him? Because we can't go any further. We can't read the second part of this verse without paying attention to the first part. And the first part says, take delight in the Lord, right? Be captivated by God and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Find your joy in God and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So what are you excited about? What do you hope for, right? If it's in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. The second word I want to look at is desire. Because like I said, I think this word, like we, we misread it a lot of times. And I think we think of that thing we desire when we hear the word, right? As soon as I hear or say the word desire, you know what pops in my head right now? Coffee, um, cookies, steak, like it's all food for me. Um, that's just what I correlate Desire equals food. Um, and so I think we think of the thing, right? We hear desire and we automatically think the thing we desire. 
But if you look at the definition, it says a strong feeling. Desire is a strong feeling of wanting or wishing something to happen. So what do you wish for? What do you crave? What do you aspire to? Right? Because desire is not necessarily the thing you desire. It's the feeling. It's the craving. It's the aspiration. And so I think as we understand this, we have to read it the way it's meant to be read. And we say, okay, God, if, if I find my joy in you, if I'm captivated by you, then you're going to put feelings, aspirations, dreams, cravings inside of me. And that's from you. So theoretically, here's, here's some examples of where I think we miss this. And I think we put the, our priorities over what God is actually saying about this verse. I think a lot of us approach God this way. God, I was unfaithful to my wife. And if she found out, my marriage would be done. God, can you help her not to find out? Right? Can you help her not to find out? Or maybe it's, God, I was, I was busted for drugs and I'm in jail. Lord, I'll follow you if you get me out of jail. I'll take delight in you if you get me out of jail. Right? Just do it. Do it for me, God. Or maybe for you, it's, uh, it's debt. Maybe you have credit cards piling up on your table and, and you found yourself in so much debt and, and you just feel like there's no way out. And you say, God, if you just provide a miracle, God, provide the money I need. God, if I play the lottery, help me win. Like, whatever the situation is, God, just get me out of this credit card debt. Make a miracle happen in my life. Or maybe it's just the new house, the car, the job, whatever it is. And I, all these things aren't bad things, right? I think so many of these things, like the house, the car, the job, like, those things, I have no doubt they're going to enhance your life. I have no doubt they're going to be a blessing to you. But I think we also have to realize that we don't always know what's best for us. We don't always know what we need, right? Sometimes we pray for that miracle, God, get me out of jail. But what we really need is that time in jail in order to get our head straight, right? And so sometimes we have to realize that we don't know what we need. And there are times where I think God does give us exactly what we want. We pray for the car, we're having car troubles, or, or we don't have a car, and we pray for one, and God provides one. I've seen that happen, I've heard it happen, and God does move in that way, but it's not the norm. It's not going to happen every time, right? God can and he will move in that way, but it's not going to happen every time. And so here is what I think as we're reading this verse where we get it wrong that God's going to give us the desires of our heart, we jump to the conclusion that God wants to give us every desire of our heart. And that's not what it's saying, right? Because that would probably be really bad. Here's what I believe it's saying. God is going to upload desires into your heart in order to move you and use you for his purposes, right? God is going to upload desires into your heart in order to move you and use you for his purposes. With that in mind, read it one more time. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? God wants to upload stuff in our hearts 
to take us where he wants to take us. So I want to look at three types of desires that I believe we all have today. And I want to look at how I believe that God uses them in our lives to speak to us and, and to move us and use us. Um, and so as, as we kind of list these off, you can turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be in verse 16. Um, it's also going to be up on the screen if you want to follow there. Um, but as we do that, here are the three types of desires we're going to see in this passage. Bad desires, good desires, and God desires. Bad desires, good desires, and God desires. All right, so if we, we look at Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, here's what Paul says. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. In other words, let God guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires so that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So just to make it clear, here are these three desires called out in this passage. Good intentions, we have good desires. Sinful nature, we have bad desires. The Spirit gives us desires, we have God desires, right? So, so what is happening here is Paul is talking about this battle inside of us. He's saying that we want to do these good things, but, you know, I have these bad things I know I'm not really supposed to do, but I kind of want to do. Um, and all the while this battle is happening, God is at work in us, and he's trying to change our desires and use us. And so God is trying to upload these desires, and, and we have this battle that we see. And I think so many of us have felt this, and we recognize it. And, and so uh, where I want to start here is with the bad desires, but I can't go any further without, without just saying, hi, my name is John, and I have bad desires, right? Can we all say that together? Like, don't say my name, but say yours. <laughs> hi, my name is, and I have bad desires, right? We got to level up. We got to realize that we all struggle with this. We all have things in our lives that, that we know is not really what God would have for us. Not so he can keep us from experiencing anything, but so that he can help us experience real peace, real joy, real freedom. We think so many of these desires are going to bring us to that place of joy, but they end up leaving us even further than we started. And so we have these bad desires. We have this battle going on inside of us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are spiritually, we have this battle going on inside of us. C.S. Lewis said, we're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. According to Lewis, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Think about that for a minute. He doesn't find our desires too strong. He finds them too weak. Like, I think we think God is intimidated by our desires a lot of this time. He's not. Like, we don't have to come into church embarrassed and, and hiding the way we really feel and what we really think about because God's not embarrassed. God knows, and he's not intimidated by them. I think he looks at our desires like I look at my toddler's desires. Some of you, uh, you know Lennon, you may have noticed that she eats an unhealthy amount of peppermints every Sunday. Like, they're, they're out there, they're free, it's the church's fault. Um, but 
she wakes up every Sunday, I'm not even joking, and says, Daddy, when we get to church, can I have a peppermint? And then through breakfast, the car ride, the whole way in, that's all she talks about. And I just sit there and I think, really, peppermints? That's what you want. Like, of all the things available to you, of everything I'd be willing to give you, you want a peppermint. It doesn't make any sense. And I think God looks at us the same exact way. Like, guys, infinite joy is offered. Peace you can't even understand is offered. And we settle for this every time. We settle for it. So God looks at our desires like this, but he doesn't stop there. I believe he convicts our desires, not to make us feel guilty, but to sanctify and redeem our desires. Those are fancy words, but what that means is he wants to free us from those desires so he can use us. He wants to free us so he can use us. And some of the best most inspiring testimonies I've ever seen, we even have them in some of our hope stories, are the people that that God has pulled out of these dark places and he's transformed them and they go back to the dark places they came from and they speak life into it. And they start changing other people's lives because of their experience and because of how they've seen God change the desires of their heart. So God speaks to us through these bad desires to move us and use us. The second one is good desires. We all have good desires. These are things that we enjoy and we love to talk about. These are things that, um, that make us feel happy. And this isn't bad. Like God, we have to remember, God created us to worship and to be in relationship. Those are two very experiential things. And so worship is not necessarily always singing. Worship is experiencing all God has for you with your life. Right, And so God has put this desire in us to create, to innovate, to eat well. Like God created taste buds. Think about that. Why would he do that? You know he cares about pleasure. He created taste buds, right? He wants us to experience good things and he wants us to live a life to the fullest. But here is where I think this gets tricky for us. These good desires that are gifts from God and he wants us to participate in can very easily become our gods. Like we put more hope in them than we do our God. And so for us, this might look like comfort. Maybe it's money, friendship, sex, talent, traveling, the perfect house, the right church, the dream spouse, whatever it is, we tend to put our hope in these things and we flip our priorities and what we realize is they make terrible gods. All of these things God wants us to have, but he doesn't want us to put all of our hope in them because every time they let us down, every time we're gonna leave searching for more, we're gonna feel right back where we started and we're always gonna feel empty because they weren't meant to be our God. They were meant to be gifts from our God. So while these things are not meant to be the center of our life and the purpose of our life, they do have a purpose. And here's the beautiful thing. As we, as we realize the right purpose, we get to see that God reveals himself through these gifts and through these blessings. Because as we, as we kind of take a step back and we realize God invented taste buds, we get to see that God cared so much about me, he wanted me to be pleased by my survival, right? It's not just eating to survive, it's eating for enjoyment. 
So there's so many things in life. We have to open our eyes and see the beauty around us, see like how God wanted us to see it because he's revealing himself. He's revealing his good nature through each and every blessing and gift that we have. But every time, it should not pull us away from him. It should point us back to him. So that brings us to the third point, which is God desires. God desires. I believe that God gives us desires. And we see, uh, as we look back in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 17, that line that you would almost miss it, but it says, the Spirit gives us desires. God gives us desires, right? As I said up like earlier, he uploads desires. I love the image of that because he puts and plants and uploads desires in us to take us where he wants us to go. Uh, I feel like this is hard to grasp, but I haven't experienced a story in my life where I feel like God has done this uh, in so many ways in my life, but there's one that really sticks out to me. As a kid, I grew up in a home where my father was a musician, and there were instruments and, and albums just kind of all over the place, and, and so I naturally just grew up with this desire for music. By the time I was in high school and college, it consumed me. Like, it was all I thought about, all I wanted to do. Like, nothing else existed, just music, um, it, which was not good for school. Um, but that's how I was. That's, that's what was important to me at that moment in my life. And I didn't know Jesus at this point. Um, and here's what got me to church. Here's what made me say yes. Two things. A pretty girl and great music. Not even kidding. Don't over-spiritualize your invites to church because my wife was like, hey, I think we should check out this church. And we weren't married yet, but I was like, well, I want you, so sure, let's go. And once we got there, I'm like, okay, there's, there's coffee and, and the band is phenomenal. And I was just like, I was overwhelmed by how good the band was. I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't know Jesus, but, but I said, yeah, I'll go. And I kept going. And God met me there. And I ended up giving my life to him and committing to follow him. And in that moment, like God, over time, planted a desire in my heart to join the worship team, which put a desire in my heart to be a worship leader, which put a desire in my heart to be a pastor, which put a desire in my heart to pursue a career in full-time ministry. And now I just, I look back and it blows my mind because I'm someone I never thought I would be, doing something I never thought I would do, living somewhere I never thought I would live. And it's all because of this desire that God put in my heart at a young age for music. That took me there. When I look back, that's what took me there. So I have no doubt that God uses our desires to speak to us and to guide us and to move us. I was reading an article recently um, about the number one concern of people today in America. And the number one concern was that they just don't know what they want to do. Like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And if that's the number one concern of people today, I guarantee there's people in this room that feel that way, that can relate. Like, you just don't have passion. You, you feel like you don't have joy in what you do. You don't have peace, and you don't feel happy because you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and you don't know what you're supposed to do. I believe many people in this room probably feel that way. There's an American psychologist named Abraham Maslow, and he said this, a musician must make music, a builder must build, an artist must paint, a poet must write if he's to be ultimately happy with himself. 
Now, we're not all poets, we're not all musicians, but here's what I do believe. I believe that God has created and destined you to be someone. I believe he's put desires and gifts in you to be someone. And I think for a lot of us, we don't turn off the noise enough of what we should be doing and who we should be and, and trying to keep up with the rest of the world. We don't turn off the noise enough to really listen to God's voice. Are you open to hearing his voice? Are you still in quiet long enough to let him speak? Because I believe if you do that, if you just sit with him and dream with him, he's gonna, he's gonna ignite these desires in your heart. I believe it. Or maybe a lot of you feel like me, you have the desires, but you never really realized God could use them. When I asked my friend for advice that day, like, I had these desires, I never realized God could use them. I just want to challenge you this morning. Don't doubt, don't fear, like, let him try. Let him try. And I'd be very surprised if you didn't end up like me, like, someone you never thought you'd be, doing something you never thought you'd do, somewhere you never thought you'd live, right? So, no matter where you are today, Maybe for you it's um, these bad desires that as we were talking about this, it just kind of resonated with you. Like there are things in your life that you know is not what God would have for you. You feel bound, maybe addicted, maybe just frustrated because you constantly run back to them. Maybe for you it's time to just draw a line in the sand and say no more. Ask God to free you from them. Like, I believe that God wants to free you from those desires. He wants to change the desires of your heart. And he wants to use you. Like those testimonies I was talking about, like that is not, that's available to you. You could speak life into dark places. You could speak life into the people dealing with the same stuff that you're dealing with now. Or maybe for you, it's, it's good desires. You you know you have them, but they've kind of lost their oomph, right? Like, they're not as pleasing as they used to be. They're not as exciting as they used to be. My prayer for you is that God would open your eyes to, to realize the beauty around you. That you would live a life that just, like, is vibrant and, and it's worshipful no matter where you go because you're seeing God in all of it. I pray that you would actually be pleased and excited and, and embrace all that God has created and that you would realize that he's in it all and that he created it for you to delight in. Or maybe it's the God desires for you. Maybe you feel like you're in a rut or, or you're just getting by you're just paying the bills. Whatever saying you want to use, whatever situation you're in, like so many of us feel that way and I don't think we're meant to. Maybe for you, you need to sit. You need to get away from the noise and you need to allow God to speak into your life. You need to just listen. You need to allow the desires of your heart to birth and cultivate dreams. I don't think that's too far gone. I don't think it's absurd to say, I think that's what God wanted us to do. I think he has destined us to do something we're passionate about. Why do you think God speaks through the desires of our heart? 
Why is he so intertwined with our heart? Because where we're passionate, we're productive, right? Where we're passionate, we're productive. And so at the end of the day, passion wins. Whatever you're excited about, whatever, you know, your passions just drive everything, your thoughts, your emotions, your passions get you. It gets your time. And God can use that. And so God, God wants you to tap in to the desires of your heart. Let's pray.